Hello and welcome to episode 127 of the Good Good Golf Podcast. Rod Murray preparing to dismantle the grandstands after an intriguing week at the Australian Opens and one that certainly got people talking all over the world. Golf Australia Magazine editor Brendan James was one of those with a brilliant post-tournament column, and he'll join us in the studio in just a moment to talk about that and more. That's technically incorrect. He's already with us in the studio, but I'll introduce him shortly, which is two different things. First, the regulars. We start with Adrian Logue, winner of the Australian Golf Media Association Award for Best Photograph Illustration on Saturday night. Congrats, mate. You've now won awards both writing and photography, and you're not even working media. Uh, It's, yeah, I don't know. I've got a lot to say about that. It was, uh, yeah, it's an honour. Nor should you have much to say about yeah. that. Uh, well done, and seriously, congratulations on that. And it was a terrific photo. Of course, the unsung hero in Logue's award-winning picture is the writer of the story that had come in it, the man who chose to use the photo, Golf Australia Magazine Deputy Editor Jimmy Emanuel. You're like the golf course shaper to Logue's course architect here, Jimmy. One gets all the credit, the other does all the work, yeah? Yeah, I agree with that completely. Yeah, very, very valid. Yeah. <laughs> one has the shingle over the door and the other one actually gets things done. Uh, finally, we hope the door's locked at the Golf Australia office because we have all of their staff here in the SPS complex today. Our special guest is a man we don't have enough of on, on the pod, editor, Brendan James. Welcome, mate. Oh, thanks very much. An intriguing week at the Australian Opens for reasons both good and not necessarily so good. I'm just going to quickly go around the table and get uh, a very short pricey of people's thoughts. Logue, overall. Uh, overall, I think there were some problems with the staging that can be learnt from and corrected in future years. I think it's an experiment worth continuing. And I think the outside perception was probably a little bit better than what we had inside. Yeah. Jimmy? No, I agree with a lot of that. There was a few little dramas and things that definitely could be improved upon. Um, but I think the greater uh, takeaway from it is that it was a good thing and it was, you know, a nice change for a lot of people. Yeah. But we're inside the tent, of course, so we get a different view. Yeah. I'd probably speak to more players than the rest of the, the you guys and- uh, it was definitely mixed reports, and they were the ones who are critical of things, but they're always going to be because they're the ones whose livings depend on it, but also who are very used to the status quo, where they are there every week playing one way or the other. So It's also pretty true of players every week, isn't it? You get a range of reviews. Those at the top of the leaderboard tend to be pretty happy with how the tournament's going, the course set up and everything else, and those yeah. who miss the cut. Yeah, I mean, that's that's true of the, like the Vic Open as well, where we yes, all talk absolutely. about how good it is. A lot of the players have issues with it, yeah, absolutely. but probably less critical than they were last week, I'd say. BG really did formulate your ideas into something which I thought was excellent, and lots and lots and lots of people said the same thing. You wrote a column about the one percenters. For those who might not have read it, shame on them. Give us a quick thumbnail sketch of what that column essentially said. Well, essentially, I thought when they announced that they were going to be hosting, well, three championships at at the one time, I thought it was- Which is bold, it has to be said. That is a bold thing to do. I thought it was a bold thing to do, and- uh, you know, and any time you brought it up, they said, well, we've, we've managed to do, you know, the Vic Open with men and women. Um, but that was, that's kind of a different level of golf tournament compared to two national opens plus an all abilities championship. Um, so I thought that was, you know, that was obviously going to be bold and you kind of half expected that there were going to be problems given that it was the first time they've done it. Um, and I guess the crux of my story was, um, yes, there were problems. There were, you know, things that were overlooked in the planning, um, things that were overlooked during the course of the tournament. Um, 
But at the end of the day, the golf was great. The courses were great. Mm. Um, you speak to most people who simply just went to the golf to watch the golf and they loved it, you know. Um, but it could have been better. And I think for the ongoing success of this format, they need to get those one percenters right because they'll struggle to get some of those players back because of the experience they've had this time. You pointed it out in the piece. There's multiple customers for the tournament organisers to satisfy, isn't there? There's the those of those who watch on the TV and consume the product that way. There's the people who put up the money, the sponsors. And importantly, and it's easy to take shots at these guys, there's the pampered players themselves. But there's seen, there was a couple of men- incidents that you mentioned in your piece which just seemed silly. No need to upset players unnecessarily with some of the small things. So I think it was Adam Scott. Minwood well, Lee so and- there, was, there was, okay, there was an incident uh, on Sunday, 54-hole leader, Adam Scott, Players get courtesy cars. Most of the, some were put up at a hotel in Chadston, which a bit close to the the course. Some were put up at hotels in the city. Um, Adam was staying in the city. Courtesy car was booked for him to take him to the golf course um, with his with his gear and everything, so that he arrived in time to start his preparations for the final round. Courtesy car didn't turn up. It's- <laughs> So there were phone calls made and then he eventually got to the golf course later than he had planned. Um, there were um, incidents with the shuttle bus getting going back and forth. Um, when Cameron Smith came off the course on Friday, it just wasn't enough transport to get back for people to get back to Victoria to see those marquee groups yeah. hit off in the afternoon field at Victoria. That one, you could sort of see how that happens. The Adam Scott one, you've coached junior teams. I've never had kids, so I haven't. But I imagine that the simple stuff is what you get right first. And making sure that the 54-hole leader's courtesy car turns up, even if the original driver gets sick, is one of those that you just can't afford to get that right once you're out of the under four. Well, that's going to affect, you know. Of course. If, if they want Adam to come back and play next year, you know, he hasn't had. And and adding to that was the fact that, you know, some a lot of those marquee players that hadn't played in Melbourne for since President's Cup, Wanted to host family and friends, and they weren't. They were denied um, guest passes, which just seems sort of odd, doesn't which it? Which I think you know. At the end of the day, that's something you you would almost give them as soon as they arrive. <laughs> you pay them appearance fees, put them up, and pay for their airfares, and you won't give them more than four passes so their friends can come to the golf. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's it's not even just to come to the golf; it's to have access to the clubhouse, the clubhouse. to go and sit down and have somebody because. Adam Scott can't go and sit down in the tented village and have a souvlaki with his, with his mum and dad without getting, you know, <laughs> pe- without getting hammered by people. So they want to sit upstairs and have someone to eat and relax. And well, they'll Phil, also get Phil hammered Scott, by people, but not, be rich nice people. toilets. Yeah, nice, nice toilets, toilets right. absolutely. Phil Scott <laughs> is Adam's dad. And Phil follows him whenever he plays, whenever he can. He walks around the golf course and he's great. He interacts with people and talks to them. Adam's mum 
doesn't come to as many golf tournaments, but she was there as well. And they can't both get into the clubhouse to have something to eat. So what's Phil's supposed to go and just stand outside and wait until they finish and can't get into the air around the putting green. So just stand out and wait and wait for a courtesy car that might not show up. Like it's a, and the courtesy car thing is there's a transport office at every tournament. And it's not just marquee players who get no, the courtesy no, no. cars. It's whoever requires it in the playing group. And there's people who coordinate all that sort of stuff. And beyond wanting Adam to come back, I'd be pretty confident with that when they had that weekend leaderboard, the organisers would have been very favourably looking at Adam winning the golf tournament for the return and having Cam into Adam in the two men's events. And it upsets his process. He's got a dedicated time. There was the week before where his manager slept in and with his clubs in his hotel room and Steve Williams nearly knocked the door down to get him because they're working at such a schedule and they've thrown that out. So... Something is it unfair to single that out? I mean, that could be just a one-off issue, I guess, but it is a fairly poor mistake. Well, it? I mean, and the other transport issue is the shuttle buses and this is the GI one. Shin. I, that I find the shuttle bus situation. Yeah, so earlier in the week when you're over at Kingston Heath for a practice round, players were just jumping on the shuttle bus because it was there rather than going in asking for a car and the car had to be dispatched from Victoria, drive the 10.15 over, then take them back the 10.15. If there was a shuttle bus there, they jumped on it. Um, so players got used to that because they weren't told anything different. So oh, they can't take one shot. of those things that happens in a golf tournament. Once something starts, everyone does it, right? So GI Shin gets on the shuttle bus. I think after, um, it must have been on Thursday, Thursday. she played there and just with her caddy said, let's jump on the shuttle bus and head back, you know, with someone who probably has every reason to say, well, I don't know if I should get on that with everyone else. I'd wait for a car. And they told her to get off because she had her golf clubs. Like, yeah. it, it's not just that. I think for the success of this format, you're sometimes going to have to have it at non 36 hole venues. So you're going to have to have yeah. this travel situation. This is the key issue, isn't it? It's the this logistics is the of thing. two courses being. Yeah. You've got to make that seem seamless. You've, yep. you've got to make the, you've, the experience of that had to be, oh, it wasn't a problem. Yeah. Like th- that way you can then have this at nearby venues in future years because that's so critical to the success of this format. And I, that they didn't nail that is a very big concern. Well, But that's something, I mean, they've got to come out next year because it's probably likely to be, again, a, some sort of a commute between Sydney? the courses. It's going to be in Sydney. Yeah. It's going to be the yeah, same. Definitely locked again. into the Australian. It's probably the Lakes as the second one. Um, and so there's going to be a 10-minute trip or something between the two. They've got to absolutely oh, nail that. Like, that's got to be one where they go, oh, two courses is not a problem. But like those that- resorts, isn't it, where the trains, the bus just keeps going yeah. around, even if it's empty, and you just get yeah. on and off wherever you like, like and there's no it, issue. It, it, Asking courtesy cars to come from Vic to pick up players yeah. is part Correct. of the problem. Like, yeah. that, you've got to have – that's one of the things. They the should have, course. like, put so much resources into that because it can prove the point that this can be done at non-36 holidays. Well, I couldn't understand is there didn't seem to be enough courtesy cars. And given that one of their partners is BMW, I would have thought they would have access to an absolute fleet. Mm. But there were – it was rarely – the times that I was over at Kingston Heath, there were rarely – you rarely saw any courtesy cars just coming and going. There was like one pull up and then there'd be people just waiting. Yeah, that's not I, good. I, I, yeah. And I was at Kingston Heath one day trying to get back over to Vic for something that was happening, a bit of news that was going on. Ran out the front, saw the saw the bus that was at the time, the bus was going back to Vic, so I just ran and jumped on the shuttle bus in the bus location, sat down and it was a bunch of volunteers and they were about to take off and one of them said, oh, you're going to Spring Valley, right? <laughs> no sign, no nothing. It was just- How did that 
What did Spring Valley? So what role I, did Spring Valley no have idea. in this? Because the golf just, course, by the way, go and check uh, out. Absolutely, go to Spring yeah. Valley. Yeah, play play the that might have been the parking for the volunteers get, working I'm, at Kingston. I'm oh. assuming that the volunteers had some sort of base or something at Spring Valley, but there was no sign on the bus. There was no. There was no going from separate locations. Every time I went to get from uh, the Heath to Victoria, there was something. Something. Happened. And so, so it will be Sydney next year, and it. it it will be Luckily, the Australian and the lakes. Yeah. But exactly, because you can't have it anywhere else. And that back road that they will take, mm-hmm. the last time we had an Australian Open at the lakes uh, and media was parking in the um, convent behind the Australian, well, I know I was trying to get a bus back, the last bus back, and it just never showed up. Mm. And I got back to the car park and the car park was locked. So, like, these sort of little things are magnified when you throw extra events on top of it. And then if it happens to me, it's inconsequential kind of to the tournament. If it happens to G.I. Shin, it's kind of major, right? Are we being too harsh, Beach? Could we have done any better? Is it really just such a complicated and logistically big thing to do that there's bound to be issues? Look, I, I think for the, Austra- for the Men's Australian Open, hadn't been played for two years. We had uh, the Women's Open was, was last played in 2020. Mm-hmm. And to make this step, to bring them both together... It needed to be done right as well as possible first up. Is it fatal and, uh, that it wasn't? Well, to me, it, it like, for example, the, the lack of leaderboards out at Kingston Heath, the lack of toilets out at Kingston Heath, to me, just smacked of penny pinching. Kindergarten stuff, really, isn't it? That they, that, that they were running, that they were, it was being run on an oily rag. And you're not talking just about the big leaderboards, although the lack of those. Was I'm talking noticeable. about the fact that only I think there were only six groups out at Kingston Heath that had the walking um, scoreboards being, being. Yeah, and wouldn't have been for lack of volunteers. No, I spoke. I spoke <laughs> no. to one. I was walking inside the ropes with uh, Kari Webb, so on you, and uh, I forget the third player at the moment. But at one stage earlier in the week. And I started talking to a volunteer. He said, well, who do you work for? And he was a su- subscriber to the magazine, so always a nice conversation. But he said- Not oh, always, Jimmy. <laughs> yeah, well, that's right. <laughs> I'm a subscriber too, my friend. We'll have a chat later. <laughs> he was supposed to be the walking scorer. He said, oh, but they don't have enough boards. Mm. And I was like, well, that's, that's kind of- Like, obviously, you've got so many groups because you've got the two fields, Thursday, Friday. So, you're going to end up with surplus boards. But aren't we going to do this format for the next- you know, number of years, so can't we save them all and bust them up to Sydney for the next one? So why aren't we making the investment now to really, you know, and particularly because there was no, there was one electronic scoreboard that I saw at the Heath, which was behind 15 green. Um, so no one had any idea what these players were on, if they're going to make the card or anything like that. And it's just confusing for people, let alone for players. I mean, players sometimes like to know where they're at in terms of yeah. the field and everything. So particularly if you were out at Kingston Heath on Thursday afternoon, and you're trying to make the cut, it would be handy to know where the cut line was. But those electronic scoreboards only showed the first two two pages of the leaderboard because it had to show three different tournament leaderboards. So, Were we hand-filling out cards? Because the Australasia Tour went to electronic for during the pandemic. Yeah, no, it was back to hand It was hand back to hand-filling. Yeah, so, yeah, so you yeah. couldn't have access on the phone to what the leaderboard was Correct. doing. Yeah, no, no, no. How long before we get that? Let's be well, honest. Well, because that's, that's a that. European tour event right. situation, I think. So even I, I heard- um, a discussion about 
LPGA events allowing certain events allowing rangefinders, but they weren't allowed this week because it wasn't LPGA events. When you have so. co-sanctioning things like yeah, that, I remember Kari Webb got a penalty in a bunker one year, didn't she? She was in Europe and used to playing in the states. They had different rules about yeah. touching stuff in bunkers, and she yeah. went and moved something, and she got yeah. penalised for it. So those things are not specific to the uh, Australia. No, no, no. Just a money problem, like not enough money put into it. Well, I, the, that transport thing isn't a money. Well, there's money involved, but. It's one of those things where you've got to know where to allocate your funds. And going in advance, that was a thing that you would know you So the first the meeting deck. should have been, okay, here's the list of priorities. Yeah. Transport yeah. for players and fans is the top of the list because yeah. if they have a bad experience there, it's going to be a bad experience. That's right. Board. That's right. The walking leaderboards, I can see how maybe they thought they'd get away with that, but it was surprising. I was shocked at how bad the experience is when you can't see like at a glance who's what group this is that's walking past you when you're just sort of wandering around a course. Hmm. Um I was really surprised how much he missed that as a fan experience. Um, and the player relations part of it, uh, some of those incidents can be chalked up to like the bus driver. Things happen. Maybe, yes. you know, that's, that's some in a lot of ways that's going to happen. That stuff's going to happen. Um, but the, uh, you know, the treatment of the true marquee players is another matter <laughs> and, and their, and their families. Because whether you like it or not. They're hugely important, aren't they? And you can call them pampered this and spoiled that, but the truth yep. is if they don't come, your event is lessened by it. That's so right. There's a reasonable negotiation to take place there. And That's right. It'll impart, and it's often the case that somebody is assigned to – like somebody from the the organisation is assigned to one of those players just to, to just shadow to them after the them, whole yeah. week, right? And Get them sandwiches and yeah, exactly. glasses of water, colder glasses yeah. if that wasn't sure cold enough. their whole group is looked after. Um and is that a budget issue? I don't know. There seem to be – there's more staff, I think, than ever yep. um, assisting with tournaments. So, um, yeah, that, that's an odd one. Is is golf able to afford big-time tournaments in Australia anymore, Beach? If you're Golf Australia looking for sponsorship in the marketplace, how hard is it to get enough money together to run the Mixed Australian Opens that won't have these issues that we're talking about? Yeah, good question. Look, um, I suspect that when ISPS Handa came along and said, we'll, we'll sponsor the Australian Open, but you've got to, I'm sure that they, given their past history with the event in Ireland, they were very keen to see the three events held concurrently. And that by saying yes, then Handa came in and that solved a big problem for Golf Australia. Um, in terms of attracting other, you know, multinational companies to, to, you know, sponsor that one week. I mean, they've got, they've got partners all over the place. They've got BMW, which is one I mentioned before, which is, I think, a PGA of Australia right. partner. Yeah. Um, so they've got, they've got partners going with them and, and they, you know, there's, a few different places around the the clubhouse where you, you'll see banners with all the partners listed and things like that. So there's money coming in. It's just how much they allocate to that event. So there's obviously the, there's money that comes in that goes elsewhere to running golf in this country. And then when it comes to the opens, um, they're set on a budget. Um, and I can't imagine that it would be easy. But we've seen with... For example, the Vic Open, which they use as they they put up as their mm. you know um, their model, 
um, work on a much smaller budget without these sorts of problems. Admittedly, that they didn't have the problem of having to do too much transport because both courses were right there. Well, the Vic Open gets so many things right, but that venue is key to it, isn't it? Outside the major metropolitan areas, and, and then you don't have these transport issues between, because the first one was in suburban Melbourne, and mm. that had all of these issues, even though it was tiny, that that 13th Beach Complex has been absolutely the saviour of the Vic Spring, Open. Spring Valley was one of the venues. Maybe that's why the thought it was, it was you back, go back, back, at, back at the Vic yeah. Open. Yeah. Going back to Mac yeah. Griffin. Mac but I, I think, I think um, the budget needs to, to improve... I mean, when you particularly in the heart of the sandbelt, the only thing I would have thought going into that tournament that was needed to get absolutely right was the courses and the setup. That would have been if my thinking was that that was their only concern. If they got through the four days where there was no mention of the course setup, they've won. And they, they did just they did. And they did. Brilliant. Agreed. But the thing with Adam, that, that affects whether or not he comes back, which mm-hmm. means then they go, well, who are we going to get back? Well, Player experience is something mm-hmm. the Australian Open can differentiate itself on from every other tournament in the world. Yeah. That's, and we'll come to some of those. Yeah. The, the course thing I think it's worth noting as well, they, they did take feedback from players before the tournament. And did make some adjustments, as, as I understand it, course. to the course, to the women's course particularly, um, which is to their credit because it was a, it was a, it was a balancing act based on the depths of the field, which was revealed the week before when the women's field was cut to one hundred eight and the men's field was expanded. So there was genuine concerns about how do we do this, and it, it's an exceptionally tricky thing. Mm. So I think absolute congratulations to managing that and getting that right. And you're also Thursday, Friday, having the same pin positions or exceptionally close pin positions across two golf courses, which is difficult at the sandbelt. You've got to find a really good patch of turf that can handle all that, all that approaches and all that walking traffic. (laughs) Caddies, and not be easy and not be insanely hard. So probably saw some pins that you don't normally see. Both men and women. Correct. yeah. Yeah. And like there's, there's some. You know, Victoria has some pins that Mike Clayton will tell you are, are specifically designed for certain tees, which kind of get taken out of it because you're using two different tees. And but you know, we spoke to Trevor Hurden at the start of the week about it, and he was very honest about how it worked, and that was really impressive. So as as BJ says, I was probably the same, thinking that was going to be the big problem. Well, you'd have some crazy pin that yeah, the guys they, couldn't get to, well, or the women given, couldn't get given to. Given the past experiences, obviously, with Victoria, you know, having to cancel the first round there 20 years ago, all the eyes of the world, golfing world, were on on Victoria and Kingston Heath this week, and they nailed it. Huge tick. Victoria Golf Club, completely redeemed. Yeah. 20, 2002. Yeah, it was straight back to it was history. Into, it was under, into the history yeah. books, yeah. yeah. Um, phenomenal job. Which broadly brings us to the notion of, does the concept work? Beach. It's fabulous at the Vic Open, mixed men's and women's. I'm not convinced about a national open. What's your take? Is the concept yeah, and adding I'm, in the all abilities as well? I'm not convinced. Um, Do they need a fourth event running in parallel? <laughs> there was. <laughs> there was. Juniors. There was the play nine that was happening at Kingston Heath on Sunday <laughs> yeah, afternoon. Right. A fifth. <laughs> Are you not entertained? Right. <laughs> Run the mid amateur in the field at the same time. Now, on a serious note, I, I love the concept, but I'm not sure I love it for the. For the National Open. I love the concept too. And I think, and it was great to actually see um, how 
the different ways that men and women approached the same hole, mm-hmm. only moments apart. It was, it was that was that was intriguing. Always, and that was terrific, yep. particularly at those two golf courses, at which two, are so iconic. I mean, you couldn't do it. I don't think you could. It would be such a spectacle if it was played at a, a course that that didn't challenge you mentally mm-hmm. and engage you as much as what those two courses do. Um, but I think that they both are such. Uh, big events. They're both national opens that they both deserve their own spotlight. Um, and a lot of the feedback I've been getting over the past 24 hours, 48 hours has been how bad the TV coverage was. Um, and I feel sorry for the production, the TV production of the event because it's kind of, I liken it. And I was thinking about this last night. I liken it to, you know, when, when you're a kid and, you know, your mum or your dad's reading your bedtime story and you're kind of fixated on that story. We're in Logue territory here, yeah. This now, imagine, <laughs> imagine you know, your mum's reading your bedtime story and then all of a sudden your dad comes in, he's got another book and he's reading your second story. And okay, and they're reading it to you at once. One, you can't follow what's going on because you've got one story here and one story there. Are they fighting as well? <laughs> I hate it. <laughs> my point being, my point being is that it can't it's very difficult to two narratives two, running two narratives running side by side three, and actually. do them well yeah, and three three. So and, and this was was played out with what happened with Grace Kim on the final hole. Yeah. Adrian Meronk on 15. We yeah. missed his bunker shot that finished next to the hole. Was, mm. We went to a break and I thought Oh, this could be interesting. We but, came back I and mean, tapping even into Grace Kim. She was but very much she was so, yeah. pushing, pushing for a and a great story for the lead. Is, and we see a hit off, and then we see a putt out for a seven. Yeah, but we didn't see anything else in between because, sadly, well, at the same time, Adam Scott is back on seventeen and he's just hit it out of bounds, having one OB with an iron. Yeah, so that can happen. Yeah, that producer's can happen. gone. Oh, we've got to we've got to stay with Adam. Okay, so if, during all that drama, so you lose, you're going to lose something, and that comes with having two two stories being told at the same time, or three stories yeah. being told at the same time. Hard enough to follow it. Like we watch golf one. tournaments every week, oh, yeah. and it's hard enough to follow what's going on with one tournament if there's a lot going on, particularly coming down the stretch. I've, I've reflected on this a little bit. I, I find most golf tournaments extremely boring unless it's, you know, it's a major. And I, I think it's good to have a bit of extra stimulation to have a couple of different things going at once. So, I don't know. You're I, I was, extremely clever. I mean, you can liken a child drawing a dog to a golf course in Japan. Not everybody has that sort of probably, mind like a steel trap that you've you'd got. You'd probably like the two stories at yeah, once right. and you'd be tuning in and out. Oh, you'd be asking your younger brother. Year, wouldn't you? And you'd yeah, know, well, hang on a minute. Yeah, he also listened at to the podcast at 1.5 extra yeah. speed. Oh, I know. Yeah. He's, he's so, it's over and done they with. He's an animal. Spent the TV coverage. It's a sickness. So, you might have ADHD. Logue, I always felt that the Vic Open elevated the women's event, the yeah. women's Vic Open. It didn't exist before the mixed Vic Open, so that was one thing. But it always elevated the women's event, and I don't feel like that was the case here at the National Opens. Am I wrong about that? I don't think so. There was tremendous crowds there to see both tournaments or all three tournaments, and uh, I, I don't know. I, I thought they just – I haven't seen such enthusiastic crowds and such a great tournament atmosphere for years now, 
and uh, well, yeah, at least three, in- including <laughs> including at the Vic Open. Like I think the atmosphere there and the crowds and the buzz and the big tournament feel was better than the Vic Open feel, and that's you know I think that gave a fantastic experience. And we can talk about the the depth of the women's field, but that was a tremendous experience for those women who were finding out whether you know there, there was a lot of young players there who were finding out whether they've got what it takes to play professional golf and they got a true experience of professional golf that week um so i think that's that i I didn't think it took i don't think it detracted from no i don't think it detracted i'm not saying it detracted but i'm not sure that it sort of elevated even if that's necessarily the goal jimmy are we just snarky because we were in the media center and actually the on-course experience was fantastic we spent a lot of time on course too and it was it was fantastic uh, yeah, I, I mean, I don't know. It, the Vic Open comparisons are kind of not important here because I said to people multiple times in the organisational stuff and they said, at the Vic Open, we do. Well, this isn't the Vic Open. The Vic Open is a, built for, <laughs> yeah, is a built-for-purpose event that is, that is designed to hold that tournament. That's, so I'd argued with all of our friend Karen Harding years ago that the Vic Open model doesn't work for National Open for a number of reasons. You can't just take one thing that works and transplant it everywhere. That's not about tradition. That's just about practicality. And that's where I see the issue with this. But to then get into the nuts and bolts of it in the on-course stuff, I don't know that it necessarily was better. I spent a lot of time with women's groups, so the last women's group on Saturday, and it was – Probably not the best experience because everyone was trying to follow Adam Scott in front. So, you had the old tiger phenom where he puts out and he moves, so everyone's moving. And so, then you've got to wait longer. Then you've got issues with how that all works. And so, there was not that many people watching a really good group of players in Hannah Green, Soyon, and G.I. Shin. You got major winners That's there, two the former really world group. number ones. That's a really, really good group. There was not as many hanging back that you would expect because they were all trying to get in front to see the group in front of Scott and um, and watch that. So, you know, I don't know if it elevated at all because yeah, it's, it's – it's, it's, and, it's, and there's comments from people that I think we're going to talk about that probably harm it a little bit too, that sort of knock back on that field. And um, I, I still – I have questions about the – intention to make them as equally important as each other when I believe from earlier in the week from what I was told that the women's event would finish last. That was the plan. And after the way the Saturday went, I think with those crowds and I think with all that sort of stuff, suddenly it was a switch and there was no explanation as to that, as to why. So You'd kind of give that a tick in some ways though, wouldn't you? You don't want on Sunday what you were talking about on Saturday where you've got this amazing group of women. Of course you don't. So why would you explicitly state earlier in the week that that's the plan? Is it wokeness, Beach? Is this just woke nonsense? Mixed opens? No, look, I actually think they genuinely, given that um, the Women's Open has not been able to attract a co-sanction, whether it was going to be this week or whether it was going to be in its normal regular date in February, that contract, I think, with South Australia had ended um, Which, by the way, was brilliant. I went to two of the women's opens in Adelaide, and they were fantastic. They were great. Thought. And Adelaide embraced it because per- and it was the perfect place. The courses are fantastic. The city was perfect for it. I, yeah, couldn't agree more. Adelaide's been starved of of, of big time golf for a long time, and 
I mean, that's why we're already seeing, you know, live, live golf going there in April. It's already almost sold out. Um, and they, yeah, they really embraced the women's open and, and they were good fields. Um, good co-sanction with the LPGA. Yeah, really good tournaments too. Um, unfortunately, the one, the one thing that I see that with this format going forward is they're going to have to f- find a date that suits both men and women. Possible. And that's, that's that one possible? of the big, big challenges they've got in front of them. If they want more, a greater depth of field um, on the women's side of the draw, um, then they they need to co-sanction because they they started at having equal number and then they dropped the women's field back to 108, I think it was, right, yeah. about a couple of weeks out from the, from the event. Before. In fairness, a couple of things happened there. There was the cyclone or the tornado, whatever it was, that pushed yeah, back LPGA, pushed back LPGA, LPGA which doesn't beautiful. guarantee any of those players would have been here, but by the same token, it meant they couldn't be but, here. But that's- and it must be said, the first page of the leaderboard, was at good. least, was really good. better in the women's, yeah. objectively. Absolutely. Much, Absolutely. But, you know, it's it's like strong enough to stand on its own, you might say. Well. <laughs> but you, <laughs> but you, it fell away pretty quickly. Uh, I'm a supporter of this format. I think oh, it yeah? should mm. continue. I think, I think a lot of the – I think – Everyone knows that moving to this format is, I think, I agree that beneficial that we've got, you know, equal chance to show the events and the players and everything like that. And equal prize money is fantastic. I think a, a significant part of the motivation is money, though. Oh, I don't think there's any question. And I about think, that. well, and I think part of the issue is we say, I don't think there's any question. Every player I speak to says, we know that's why. That needs to be owned by the people who run the tournament. There needs to be a front facing. This is a significant reason as to why we are doing this. Because then people go, okay, well. So it's ticking more than one box. It's it's because it's a positive, actually. It is a a positive because Golf Australia, who runs the tournament, everyone pays their affiliation fees too. So having them flippantly spend money is not something I don't think any golfer wants in this country. So I think owning the narrative a bit more rather than just, hey, we're doing this. I've been told and I haven't had it 100% confirmed that Victorian government with their money really wanted it to be men and women together as well. And from some friends back in Sydney watching it on TV, they got full value because they said all they heard, the majority they took away from the coverage was that <laughs> Melbourne's a great, great city, place. it's got great cafes and great nightlife. Like, which it is, and it has, is 100% it is, but yeah, it was. but um, yeah, I think, I think just actually owning that narrative a bit more because there is people who. We'll get on Twitter and call it woke and everything like that. Who who would respond more to the financial element of it? So you know, not trying to not trying to use something to cover something, which I don't think they are, but just being more upfront about it. But even even the field cut, which this I think is we're going to come to this. This is really no 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 the the field cut of the size of the initial field. Sorry. There is reason for it. The LPJQ school got shifted. Then LETQ school is the started the next day. Now that's affecting your, your players coming to play the women's event. I think Matt Griffin had to fly back to Japan Sunday night. Did he? Correct. Not? Well, he Q was school? going Sunday night because Q school in Japan started Tuesday. Tuesday two yeah. courses he'd never seen. Yep. So he only came and played because it was on the sandbelt and he grew up there and he He's wanted to play. Golf club of Victoria. And, but the fields were the field women's field was cut down to one hundred eight and the men's field expanded. We all, I heard about it at Royal Queensland at the Australian PGA and ended up writing a story about it. And, I, and it wasn't publicly announced. So if something like that happens, you have to own the fact that you've made it's a change. 2022. A, it's going to get out. And B, you're better off to be ahead of it. Correct. And then you, you know, so then 
there's going to be questions about the equal prize money and about all that sort of stuff. You just have to come out and say, this is how we're doing it. Hey, it's the first year. These things are going to happen and we will take these on board and we will use it to improve the Have your answers ready. Don't hope that people don't ask the questions. That's right. Which is not a good strategy. Which is exactly right. In the age we're in where everyone can see things and everyone knows, you can't do, do something and just hope to get away with it. And particularly in golf where- you know, everyone talks. There's so many people around and everyone talks and everyone finds out and, you know. Especially it, at the big event of the year at the Australian Open. Well, that, and, and that, together, everyone's there. And right? that's, I think, the thing is you, if you've sold it for so long as this big changing and this history making event, you know, you have to then own the things that don't go quite to plan and just, and you know. And the ready-made excuse. This is the first time we've done it. hundred Of course, there's going to be things that we'll learn from, et cetera, We et cetera, haven't played one in two and a bit um, years right. and all this sort of stuff. And and the players will understand that sort of stuff, and they do. And in the in the immediate stuff, I think some get upset and whatever. And But, you know, there's, there's going to be issues. So, you just got to own those issues and, and there's going to be teething problems. And you say, well, we're going to take on board. And I think you it's really important to get the players' feedback Beyond, you know, a, a story like BJ's is highly important, you know, and I, and I said to someone from Golf Australia, we we're talking about it, I said, look, I think had everything gone perfectly, we probably would have run something, you know, as a report card of the tournament and talked about how good every little part of it was. So, um, reporting what happens, isn't it? Yeah, the feedback of people like us is important, but the feedback of your players is really important. Ash Buhai in a, in a winner's press conference said, this date's no good. For the women's tour players, this date is no good. Um, you know, yeah, <laughs> but you know they got very they got very fortunate in the two high profile players that won. Ash Buhai has family in Sydney mm-hmm. and family in Queensland and has been coming to Australia for since she was thirteen, so for mm-hmm. twenty years. Adrian Moronk's girlfriend's cousin lived two minutes down the road from Victoria Golf Club, so they are very fortunate to have that sort of thing happen. Now it's a great tournament; they should come and play, and hopefully. Moronk keeps coming back because he's a fantastic player and he's only on great the ca- Great character too, which you yeah. get a lot of in this day, but he's a fabulous yeah. character. and he's going to be the first Polish player to do everything in golf. <laughs> That's exactly right. <laughs> but, you know, it's it's kind of – it's you've got to really listen to that feedback from the players yeah. and then go with it. Beach, are we just talking the game down because we're snarky old journos and it's what we do and it's clickbait and we want to get people talking and sell magazines? Not at all. Not at all. If I wanted to talk the game down, I wouldn't have included in that story that the fact that the course and the course setup was was nailed. I would have just gone all negative. And the golf was superb. And and golf the fact saved it really. The golf was great, which is as it should be, by the way. Yeah. That story came from a a good place. I've been watching. I've I saw my first Australian Open when I was twelve, nineteen eighty. Greg Norman, the year Greg Norman won at the Lakes. Went out there as a kid and watched Seve Ballesteros and, and Clates and Bruce Devlin and all these great players play this for, for the Australian Open. I'd ne- I didn't even know what the trophy name was. But over the years, my enjoyment of the Australian Open, has, it's always been a highlight of the year. And I haven't missed an Australian Open for since 1996. So that criticism of what was going on this year's Australian Open and I've been to women's opens as well when they were on the sand belt, when they're in Adelaide. So I've I've got a great love of that event too. So when I sat down to write this, I agonised over the entire. It took me an entire day to write this story because I felt like it needed to be balanced and really they needed to be just 
taken to task on some of the things that had happened away from the course, which ultimately will affect how the players perceive the event and how the fans perceive the event. I mean, I could have gone on and on with other things that occurred during the week, but I felt that that would be even more narky and 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 stick the knife into them. Some like of the complaints no, no meat pie oven. <laughs> yeah, you know? gonna, yeah the, the range of biscuits was lacking. Those kinds of things don't really matter. Do <laughs> well, I barely got a feed. Any, anyone who read what? the story would, would realise they didn't put anything in relation to the media or anything like that or the TV because uh, – What's the point? Nobody you know, cares. It just it it was really about the future of the event, moving on from this experiment yeah. or trial, and you know, um, look, yeah, it might have been it might have come across as negative to some people, but if the, if you actually read the story, there was you know there was plenty of positives well, come out of the week. The way it was framed as one percenters, I yeah. thought, was a very good yes, way of doing too. it. Because it, it says overall this was fantastic, yeah. and I think that aligns with the outside perception. Yeah. People genuinely overseas saw a fantastic golf yeah. course and a good golf contest. A- as I said before, and some problems with being coverage, able to but, see men and women yep. tackle the same golf course and see how differently they do it yep. was was terrific. Yep. But as an event, where you year in year out, and we, I've been going through it for. 26 years every every year who's coming out to play the Australian Open and it seems like and who's not almost every year your expectations um, gradually filter through that you know that oh Adam's not coming because or Jason's not coming because he can't sit on a plane you know all these things it comes who's not doesn't it that's the annual Australian you'd, Open game. you'd hope that when you get this far down the track that Adam's not coming because scheduling. Well, was it scheduling or was it the fact that you didn't really look after him and, and sort of in, in the corporate world, you know, giving things out and, and making sure people are happy happens every day. Why wouldn't you make sure that one of your draw cards and has been one of your major draw cards for the last 20 years was happy? When he left the event, I mean, sure, he wasn't happy that he finished second, but at least he's had a good experience. And your chances of getting back next year are elevated. Mm. Well, just on that. Just for the ongoing success of the golf tournament. And on the women's side, well, you know, um, that's. Those, some of those girls, you know, some of the, you know, the Hannah Greens and Mitt, well, I know Minji and Minwoo weren't able to get guest passes. I mean, it's not like it's costing them thousands of dollars to no. give them a pass to get into the clubhouse. It's not just clubhouse as well. It's hospitality, like around because that's not a bad. It's just price, ensuring in fact. that they are able mm. to actually the spend hot- some time with their yeah. friends and family after yeah. after the round yeah. and have a have a meal. Yeah. I don't think in Greg's heyday. Well, I know in Greg's heyday when he was asking for guest passes and whatever when he was the pinup boy, they ever said no. No. Which is the thing you go to and, yeah, you got more players and the clubhouse isn't that huge at Vic and there's going to be the members and there's going to be – but it's it's such a basic thing. It is so simple. Well, the, the Sony Open's been popular in a while. It's been popular with PGA Tour players more so in the 90s and early 2000s because they used to give them the new PlayStation before it was released. Players would go there to yep. play that tournament just because they got the PlayStation. Mm. 
I remember Adam one year missed his tea time, might have been in the prime or the first round, somewhere in America, because the tournament gift that week was the new iPhone that was released that week, and he messed up setting the alarm hmm. because he was using it. Gave him an iPhone. Can I have four passes? Oh, no. But it, Can my dad come into the clubhouse? No. But this, this player experience thing is something Jeff Ogilvy spoken about so much with the Australian Open for years and years. We're not going to have the biggest prize purse in the world. We're not going to have- do us any good if we did. Yeah, we're, we're going to be up against something else in the world. Mm-hmm. The thing to do is make sure the players have the absolute best experience possible and they will go back and they will tell every one of their friends on tour how good it was. Part of that is the golf courses, which they did well with playing this thing back on the sandbelt for the first time in 20 years. So, everyone would go back and go, you got to go and play these golf yeah. courses. These things are Shuttle unbelievable. Shuttle buses are awful, but the golf courses but, are but amazing. But those are the little things yeah, that players- and, and I think people at home will think of players as pampered for complaining about But those are the things that are always taken care of. And the player experience is what makes them go back and tell their friends, go and play the Australian Open. With and there's got to be that little twinge- Because that stands on their reputation if they- tell someone to go and play and they have a bad experience and well, what do you know and that's it's such a it's such an easy thing to focus in on to then the players that do come then and it's not going to mean that next year tiger's going to show up because you know everything works smoothly yeah, yeah <laughs> a bit average apparently <laughs> but it's it's going to mean that it's going to build slowly and, mm. and player experience I, is something they can differentiate. Yeah, that's and the, the bottom and line. And the Australian Open, like I think one of every our tournament's problems, so same same. Yeah. you can do that different. One of our problems with the Australian Open has always been not to let it build with success. It's to oh, let's do this this yeah. year, and it's going to like all we've got to look at Chasing is quarterly returns, player experience, and th- this is one that stands out is changing the range balls a couple of years ago, changing the brand of range balls. You think of it as just a purely commercial deal. That is more than just what we hit on the range. These guys are using track mans that measure the spin rates to get exact numbers of how far the ball is traveling, how it's flying that week. So, it affects them and they in, it, they instantly notice. Yep. That's not a thing you can no. just slightly change and then- It's naive, isn't it? It's a real lack of golf it's, knowledge. It's a, yeah, that's right. It's a real- it's, it's the thing that anyone who's in golf properly would- hear about and think no you can't no, do don't that, do that. Don't, don't do that so you wonder if it goes yeah. up the chain or if it's just a decision that's made and suddenly it's there and and so that player experience thing is if you nail that look at the cathedral invitational that was played the two days after it that was all about player experience every single thing was about player experience and they will go and tell everyone about it now the, the golf course I've Tiger's heard- going to play the cathedral next oh, year. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. No. <laughs> so, the, I haven't been and looked at the golf course closely yet myself, but I'm sure it's not as good as Vic. I'm sure it's not as good as Kingston Heath. Not architecturally, no. Definitely not. But those guys will go and tell everyone about, hey, they put me up at this place and we had beautiful food and we were right there on the golf course and they, there was a welcome pack with these great things and couldn't have been better. Which brings us neatly, like to something that's- been a bit of a bugbear of mine for a long time. The one asset we have in this country in terms of golf is our golf courses. Rory stated publicly on the McKellar Golf podcast a couple of years ago that one of the worst things about the pandemic was the cancellation of the Australian Open because he wouldn't he wanted to go and play because it was going to be at Kingston Heath. Not that he would have come for free. We've made that point plenty of times, but he would come. So why don't we make enough of that and what perhaps should we or could we do about that? Now, not a knock on anybody or anything, but hosting the Australian Open at the Australian Golf Club, mm-hmm. while it's a great tournament venue in terms of the logistics and everything else, the Australian Golf Club in many ways 
could be in Florida? Mm. I think there's a very indirect way of going about answering that question, but it's our dependence on Not government. Like you. <laughs> isn't it? It's our dependence on government yes, money, isn't it, that is causing that? Oh, absolutely. It was the no. government, it was Morris Yammer, I think, bought the Australian Open for basically 15 years to have it in Sydney because he wanted to champion that they had the Australian Open. Well, that's yeah. not necessarily good for golf. Good for Golf Australia at the time. They so got corporate, corporate, well, the, ba- the bad side of that, that is that, that part of those, when they negotiate contracts to bring players out, is that the, the exclusions. So, so, you know, if you're coming out to play the Australian Open, it's, and there was a case one year of, I think, um, Jordan Spieth spent the week playing in Melbourne. Melbourne. He, he spent the week playing in the Sandbelt yeah. rather than playing the PGA. And tweeting about it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he yeah. could have come out and played two tournaments, but he spent the week playing golf on the Sandbelt, then, then came to Sydney to play the Australian Open because he was his appearance money was being paid by Destination New South Wales. Yes, that's right. So corporate Australia get South behind. Australia. No. Yeah, it is. A little, I mean, there's commercial managers Reality. there that have to go out and sell it. Like they've got a product that they have to sell, and I think it's not an easy sell, but it's probably a little bit less friction trying to sell it to state governments than there is, or and state tourist boards rather than because it's the tourist corporate, money, isn't it? Which is why you get so many of the packages yep. about what a great city Melbourne yep. is because they see the TV coverage as a way to show to people they yep. could never otherwise go. They would have gone to the Golf Channel in the states. Well, I mean, the Gold Coast, all over the world, Gold Coast uh, City Council or whatever it is supported. The Australian PGA for all the years it was at Royal Pines for the same thing, and you know, come to the Gold Coast and whatever. That's that's part of part of the reality of, of sponsorship in. Is Australia. it sustainable that most of no, the money in not. professional golf comes from government? No, it's not because you've got in the case of Victoria, you've got Dan Andrews, who's a massive supporter of golf. Well, he's just been re-elected, but had he not have been. An opposition government tries to prove itself as different as possible to the previous. First thing you do, cut the Yeah, so so what happens if they cut the, you know, we've set it up that this is how it's going to work and then they just cut cut it loose. Um, You know, and going back and door knocking the same people because the Victorian government supports the Vic Open too. Mm. And going back and saying, hey, we're back again, we're doing something. And, you know, they're a supporter of most things golf related in Victoria. What did the President's Cup cost them? 30 million or something? Something like that, yeah. So, So I think, I think, yeah, you know, it's part of what is happening, and and you're going to want some money from them when you play the event in their area. But surely, and you know, maybe this is something that could be made public. Is we're trying to get to other corporate support in Australia, but you know, I think I think the way uh, those things are approached could be done better. And there was an example of a very high profile player playing a pro am in Queensland with a spot that could have easily been given to someone who maybe is from corporate, the corporate world who likes golf with a lot of sponsorship money to spend and given a free day out with a, with a high-profile player. And His then, name starts with A and ends with M. Yeah. <laughs> and, and then, you know, approached about would you be interested in being involved? You know, like surely there's more, there is more corporate support that, and if there's not, tell us there I is. I was going to say, well, well, is there, Beach? Is there enough corporate money in Australia to support a, a really good Australian Open, a really good Australian PGA, and is part of the problem something Jimmy alluded to earlier, a bit like a business that lurches from quarter to quarter, and as long as they make some kind of profit this quarter, that's fine, is what we actually need, a strategic plan for the Australian mm-hmm. Open, where you might give up something in the first few years yep. to build something in the longer term. It's what the Vic Open- it's crazy thinking. Because the Vic <laughs> Open could have easily been cancelled after that first year. We tried that, failed. Look at it. They gave it seven or eight years and it became an LPGA and European Tour co-sanctioned event by building it properly. Is that what we need to think with the Oz Open? 
Well, yeah, it need, I mean, it needs to it needs to be built gradually. And as Jimmy said before, I think there's a lot of focus on what's right in front of them rather than what's ahead. Um, and I think there's a lot of there's a lot of sort of I guess what you would call um, second tier corporate support um, where there's that they're probably national businesses that probably get like you know maybe T signage or things like that but at the end of the day if they're only involved in that one event then they're not part of the I guess the golf partners, ecosystem the golf ecosystem or the or their you know um partners with the PGA of Australia or Golf Australia, then they're, they're going to be down in that second tier and they're not going to get much bang for their buck. Whereas if they, you know, sponsor a, a rugby league team or a, some other sporting team where they've got 30 weeks of the year coverage, they're probably more likely to go down that road. So I can understand the problems that Golf Australia and, and PGA of Australia have got in terms of attracting that uh, sponsorship, you know, but when you've got someone like, you know, BMW who are now a, a partner of the PGA, they'll have, you know, coverage across the year at various things, whether it be local events in, in each state or, um, the national opens, um, they'll see that as value, but there aren't enough of those around, those partners. Mm-hmm. And I, I sometimes think that, you know, we get press releases from the PGA and Golf Australia that, you know, oh, Bollea or, you know, this sunglass company's come on for- Let's hope it is Bollea or I'll be doing some editing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this, this sunglass partner's come on as the official eyewear of the PGA of Australia. Well, that's great. Golfers don't care. But does that, you know, help help the organisation moving forward? Well, you know- I'm sure that someone will benefit from it, but I don't think it's actually benefiting the game. Do we need more creativity, Logue? Well, yeah, I mean, I get back. T signage. This is isn't this 1970s stuff? T signage. <laughs> well, T signage just quickly at a that concurrent events loses a bit of value because the women's tee has to be forward, so it can't have the full can't wraparound tee. So the footage can't be that way. So you know, that's got to be looking at something different. Yeah. The I, I mean, look, I. I'm, give my little traditionalist speech here, I feel like we should have run Australian Opens the last two years as well, even if it wasn't on TV. Even All if Australian, get, Australian Opens, you mean? Yeah, even if you couldn't get big sponsorships, you just run it on whatever course is going to take it and whoever wins it wins the Australian Open to get them back to BJ's. Uh, Name on the Stonehaven Cup. Yeah. Yeah. If you want to win the Australian Open, you get to win the Australian Open. And if nobody else turns up, you know, you feel you're an Australian the Open winner. <laughs> um, so, you know, I, I just I, I feel like uh, they're, they're, we can get a little bit overly obsessed. I think the thing that makes the Australian Open great and unique is that it's a national open and it's one that's managed to keep its identity through all of this. Um, it's not like the Canadian Open or something, which is completely diluted by the whims of uh, the tour that owns it. Uh, the Australian Open has its own identity and is still run. I, and I think it's probably the third Open in the world after the US and British Opens. Um, oh, there's a whole lot of South Africans. And Canadians will disagree with you there, but that's I, okay. No, 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 I, think it's, I think it's vastly superior to the Canadian Open. and uh, What the Canadian Open's become. Yeah. And, uh, and the South African Open 
was, is just a DP World Tour event now. Uh, like, we are, uh, is it the Australian Open? World Tour? The Australian Open retains a lot of its own identity that the deep, that the South African Open doesn't. I think it's the third best Open in the world. And uh, Men's that, Open, I think you should say. Uh, yeah, certainly. Yes, of course. But, like when you look at line the countries up, it's um, it's it's right up there. So that's that's an identity that is worth preserving and worth making the product. That is the product. Well, that's right. So those who are doing the selling can be very easy to kind of forget that, can't you? You're so busy in the business of selling. But the the golf consumer places great importance on the Australian Open, not who sponsors it or anything else. They, so there's a there's a disconnect, isn't there? This happens in lots of industries. There's a disconnect between what you're trying to sell and what people think that, or actually want to buy. There's a problem there. Hmm. Yeah. I wonder if, the, if part of the decision-making process to go down the road of, of – um, concurrent Australian Opens was it's an easier sell to sell both. Mm. I think it probably ticks a lot of boxes in lots and lots and lots of ways. And, and I'm not anti the idea. I, I'm not a I'm not a great supporter of the format for the National Open. I love the idea of what, mixed events with the cut mainly. We haven't that's, talked about the cut yet. That's partly, but I'm also in agreement with Scott Hand. I do think both events deserve their own week. Now, can you do something a bit more creative where they're played closer to each other, perhaps? A week apart, some of those kinds of ideas where both benefit from the existence of the other. I think maybe you can. International scheduling is very difficult. But I don't think the mixed event, the mixed format for one event for the National Opens really does either justice, which is not to say it's a bad event, but I don't think it does either justice. I think that's my take. I think it, people voicing that opinion, and it being quite a popular opinion, that Hendy was the one who stood up and, and said it publicly. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of other players who agree with him, but didn't want exactly what he got in terms mm-hmm. of social media response and whatever, falls into line with what Logue says about the Australian Open being- mm-hmm. That's right. You know, they say National Open, but it's particularly the Australian Open and where it stands in world golf in history and everything like that. So, I agree with you. I, like, I said to someone last week, we could have tried some other things first. You know, the US Open tried a men's followed by a women's Pines. same course. Now, clearly, they didn't think it worked- that well because they haven't done it again but why couldn't we have tried that first you know if to have it on the sand belt and do one at Vic one at Kingston Heath mm-hmm. or have it at Royal and whatever it is and as I said to someone look you so Kari Webb and Jeff Ogilvie are ambassadors for the events so if you play the men's event first and the women's event second you spend the entire week talking about how next week we move to Kingston Heath for the women's event and Saturday Sunday Kari's in the commentary box yeah commentating on the men's but talking about the women's the next week and then Jeff transfers over and he does it for the women's event the next week and talks about, you know, if it's a Victoria Golf Club, a golf course with mm. a place called Ogilvy's Balcony because he's been a member there forever and gives an insight and gives, you know, his support to that. Try that first before we throw all our eggs in this one basket. I'm, and I'm and then sure. You don't get any of the infrastructure benefits out of hosting them. Well, you could have them at the same golf course. Yeah, same golf course. Yeah, same golf course, perhaps. Yeah. Well, but, but the I think infrastructure the, to answer why didn't cost much. But to answer why, <laughs> why <laughs> this is the thing. Why have a why do this format is because it, they did have an example and it worked. Like that's it's an easy decision to say why this format because mm. it worked for the Vic Open right. for a state open. But, yeah, um, it, it worked at the Vic Open, but you, only because the. The fields were completely different. It was a state open. You didn't have um, the difference being also that it was set up differently. Like you can walk behind the players. You could never do that at a national open. It was a much more event. 
And it, and certainly as a as a TV product, it didn't become confusing at the when they're coming down the home stretch. You got to choose between Hannah Green and I'm Hannah not Scott. sure how much of that was the format or just bad direction in the like they had a challenging TV broadcast for sure. It was I a think challenge the format to cover. Contributed. It you've can, you've it never had that. It wasn't a surprise coming into the week. This is the same with the cut. The, I think a difference would have been made and been, would have been less confusing had they had the ability to have groups of two. Yes. Yeah. Now, if they have groups of two, which they couldn't have because there were, you know, there were too many people on the golf course. You mm-hmm. had to have, and the, and TV dictated that it had to finish at five o'clock. Or five thirty. We've been going for quite a while. Let's sort of start to wrap it up. More important, broader question: Are we do? Is all this hand wringing we're doing energy wasted? How important is the Australian Open to Australian golf, which is literally made up of hundreds of thousands of people going to their local club every week and playing golf? Like, uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's. I think we overrate how important it is because I don't think most Australians know who runs the Australian Open um, or any other tour event they just see them all as professional Let's get into golf the PGA, events PGA PGA tour discussion that's always a ripper isn't it nobody yeah. in Astro- <laughs> no club i mean not very few club golfers uh, across the sort of any almost anything we've said today and I, I get back to my opening statement that the outside perception of this was very positive um, and that's a good thing by yeah. nobody and none overseas of us is happy as well it was a very like powerful that. message to be sending yeah. i don't think it was woke i think that's insulting to it, it. Uh, it's it was a very powerful message and I think more tournaments should do this, and I think we should continue with this experiment and iterate on it and improve it and lead the way. Make it a bit louder? No. <laughs> it doesn't no? need to be louder. Felt for quieter? <laughs> uh, one, th- one thing for sure. Woke but loud. One, I feel very, very confident that the Live Adelaide event won't be anything like the experience that that was, that we've just had. 54 holes of shotgun starts over three days with... Uh, feel that don't really aren't there to mean it like it just doesn't mean what it means to win a national open that's not going to be but aren't they the, aren't they the same people that you're saying yeah. don't know who runs our golf tournaments? yeah i agree they're, they're, I think they're the same people that are yeah. going to the to that event in adelaide because they just want to watch golf the, but there's there'll be a perception. how is it any different there'll be a percept like a <laughs> there'll be, be there'll it. be a tangible difference in the atmosphere and the impact and the what's at stake. No. Well, I I, I think I spoke to a couple of players Disagree. about that who said, you know, Mark Leishman and these guys about coming back and playing and saying, does it feel different because it it means more and and they kind of went, well, yeah, I mean, it does because I want to win these things, but I want to win every tournament I play. But that doesn't mean every tournament they play. So See, you're now. I'm, I'm thinking mainly of like your Phil Mickelsons and those sort of guys. Well, that, I think like Phil Mickelson was playing for a national championship. It would mean a lot. And the Australian Open wouldn't mean anything to him. It wouldn't mean it. That's why he's no, not played he, it. He would have played it if it if it did. Yeah, I think that's that's the thing is you, you it, we're saying you know w- the golfers who watch don't place as much importance on maybe these things and that, but you're saying the players don't place as much importance on some other things without without really knowing because Cam Smith talked about how much winning that live event meant to him after everything he went through with it and everything like that. Yeah. So would he swap it for his Open? Probably not, no. no. But So there's definitely a rank. I'm just making yeah, oh, that point. It's course. a snarky way to do it, but there's of a rank. Of course there is. There's a rank to things and everything like that. And Hannah Green talks about how much the Aussie Open means to her. Would he swap his live win for a an big, Australian big Open? Big part of the but live stuff. But then the punters, I think, 
No. In Australia, the reason Liv is having so much success here is they just want to watch golf. Oh, there's a couple of things there. There's a lot of anti-PGA Tour sentiment as well. With I that. think that's in your eco chamber of Twitter and things like that. I agree. I agree. I mean, I there is so many people who I talk to who just go, we're going to go down there because we just love the whole idea of going to watch the golf and going down there on a trip mm. and doing this, who wouldn't know anything about the PGA Tour or about anything like that. Okay. They just want to watch it. They just want to watch golf, totally and agree. so I think I think it can, it's a bit sort of dismissive to assume uh, there was more people at the Australian Open. I was the only one who was at the PGA as well. The vibe and the atmosphere at the PGA was far superior to the Australian Open in terms of the crowd energy and everything like that. Yeah, well, well lubricated crowd. Well, they were. Oh, but and a Cam Smith element at in that six as well. o'clock. Yeah, in the, the Cam Smith six o'clock in the morning on Thursday when Cam, Adam, and Ryan Fox teed off. Yeah. I could have never anticipated that sort of crowd, and that was not just guys getting on the gas at six a.m. No, it was a huge camp. It was families and everything yeah. like that. But then- and that'll happen at Adelaide as well. Yeah, of course. And it look, will. and sure, Cam Smith is like the victory meant a lot to him. It'd mean a lot to me if I got paid like gazillions of dollars to win a tournament. It'd, yeah, you've had a fantastic week. <laughs> like it's been an amazing experience winning all that money. And winning a golf tournament, having the thrill. Anytime you win a golf tournament, I imagine must be incredibly thrilling. <laughs> I'm glad you said imagine. Yeah. <laughs> but I, that's and that's a, I think that's a mistake too. That we we kind of you know you hear players say, oh you know I don't play. If you play for the money, you'd never play well. But uh, yeah, the money's a side benefit, and I think far too many times these days everything's about oh you earn this much money. Everything's measured against the dollar. Why can't it just be about trophies? And and look, no one will even know what the, the live golf trophy looks like uh, three months down the track after it's won in Adelaide. They'll always remember that what the Stonehaven looked like. If they've ever seen it, they'll remember it. They'll remember what the Patricia, Patricia Bridges Bowl looks like. That makes them more important than any other event in the country because of their standing in the game. Mm. So to say that we over... We, we place too much importance on those two events is bullshit. Oh, our first E on the good good next to the, <laughs> the, the E they, and, and I think, to be fair, the, the change of format of the Australian Open took a lot of the conversation away from money. Yeah. You I, didn't have many people asking how much players were paid, but you also didn't have as many people looking at the prize purse, mm. um, which is fortunate given the double cut situation and stuff and all that that brings into for your lower- We're not even going to go. Yeah, there. no, but your lower <laughs> level players trying to make money. And oh, everything. Absolutely. Very important to the players, but it took a lot of the public focus away from it. Um, and put it back on the golf. And put it back on the golf. And it made it a talking point. You know, uh, I you know, had Sunday night a long radio conversation that would normally be a- 30-second job of who won, how it happened, yep. that becomes a five-minute talk yeah. because of the thing. So, And to, to Logue's point about, you know, we keep iterating on it and improving on it, we're committed to it now. We can't we can't not do it anymore. No, that's right. You so, can't make a move like this and then stop. So, so for right. all the criticisms and things, the hope is that it's taken on board and that people genuinely listen to people like us who've worked a lot of golf tournaments and a lot of Australian Opens and – the players and the people involved in organising, like, you know, part of the, a lot of the staff that work those events are from the PGA Tour of Australasia, not from Golf Australia. So hopefully they're given exit, not exit interviews, but feedback interviews and they use it to refine the concept and, you know, it improves because it, it it's got that, it's got something. Um, and also I think it's important to, very big shout out to Grace Kim who 
putting out for seven only on the TV. So, no one really knew what happened. Gave a very good interview afterwards where she had to be asked what happened and to explain it bit by bit, having just been tied for the lead of her National Open at 22 years. Very, very classy young woman. It was amazing. And then she came out afterwards very emotional, but she did such a good job and- that's yeah, you know, very impressive. Good player and a better player than we might be giving her credit for yet. Mm. Look out for her next well, year. You may not give her on the LPGA. I think she's going to yeah. be seriously impressive. That's yeah. She hit it in the fairway bunker. I've been talking about it, writing about it for a long time, and said I've never seen her miss a fairway because of the TV coverage. I didn't see her miss a fairway. <laughs> you still haven't seen her miss a fairway. <laughs> I guess the broader point I was making probably just quickly: if you're Golf Australia, Beach. Is it possible to get too distracted by the Australian Open when you consider the number of challenges that the game faces more broadly? And I think particularly things like public golf, where I've been at, Golf Australia should be the, the you know, running the campaign proactively to save public golf, increasing participation, increasing diversification amongst yep. those who play golf. Are those issues, where do they sit if you're Golf Australia versus the Australian Open, which is this big public showcase, which we'll sit here and talk about for an hour? Is it possible to place too much emphasis on that one week of the year with so much else going on in the bigger picture? So much. I think I think it can be, it could be distracting for them if they're only aiming for the one right in front of them. So they've just had two years where they haven't hosted anything, and they could have been working up to this first event two years ago. Well, to be fair, they host like. A couple of thousand tournaments a year. That's right. <laughs> so, which was and, the point and, I was going to make. It's not just their; it's their yeah. flagship events. Yeah, but they've That's got right. all these other tournaments. They've got you know a lot of issue, a lot of um, campaigns and promotions that they run during the year. So there, there's plenty on their plate. But if, for your flagship event, you want to be what we were talking about before. You want to be working. They want it. They should be working towards a five year plan but it kind of feels that they're just working for the one in front of them. It feels that way, certainly. I don't know whether that's true, but that's certainly yeah, I don't. I, I don't I'm know whether with, that's with, true either, but it just kind of feels that way. It's felt that way for a long time that there'd be an announcement about a player. So it felt like every year they'd about go the off only- to the Masters, organise an appearance fee for a certain player, then they'd announce it closer to the event, and that was the Australian Open strategy. About the only thing that you feel that they do in advance is negotiate where the venue is going to be, and even that time... You know, Spence now is is what well, we only I haven't even announced where it's going to be, but we all know it's going to be at the Aussie, and more than likely the Lakes next year. Can we, for the good of the game, let's lock it into the sand belt for the next ten years to no. give us a chance to build something and then start? Well, taking it should it. rotate. It, it should move. Of course, around. it should rotate. But I'm this saying is, to start this, this building is process. The thing about I don't see why locking into anything is a good idea. It, Sydney shows the bad idea of what that is because it's the one asset we've got. Didn't we just discuss this? No, the one got, asset we have got in Seven terms Mile of Beach will come online. There's plenty of good golf in Perth and Adelaide. There's Queensland should get a first run you every now and then build something, then you can start taking it. That's my thinking. I, it's, locking is, in doesn't build. Oh, anything, I don't like no. that face you make no. at all. No. <laughs> this is one of the things of that I was horrified to hear someone say was that the Australian Open grows the game. That's its job. I don't understand how that is true of. In any golf tournament, that that's the idea that it's any its purpose. That, is that's one where the punters just see it as another big profession. They see it's it as just, a big it's, one. It's, it's the market It's the event biggest of the one, year, but, but it's it's just an event. Yeah, and it, it doesn't grow the game. If that's its mission, it doesn't grow the game when you play it in one city for as long as you do. Yeah, you know, it has to start moving around because people in WA have no investment in the Australian Open. We've currently got two current LPGA Tour players 
who are major champions who will never at this rate play an Australian Open in their home state. Minwoo Lee is our biggest Minwoo Lee is our biggest rising star. The crowds for Minwoo at mm. events are unbelievable. He's only ever played a World Super Six Perth. And even then he just turned pro and he was yeah. the biggest show in town. You know, Adelaide the South Australian government pretty clearly was pretty upset about losing the Women's Australian Open because they've paid to get live there. You know, they're not getting paid. They paid to get it there. And and Tasmania, like Mike Clayton talks about this all the time, that how is someone supposed to be invested if they've never seen it? You know, I, you like, can see like Beach, I, went to, I went to Australian Opens as a kid and hmm. that was what sure. part of what got me involved. But that's that's, you know, not necessarily part of it because surely some of your affiliation fees you pay as a member to Golf Australia, some skerrick of it ends up involved in Australian Open. There's something that has to go in there, but you don't get anything back of it. You don't get to see it, and 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 that's really important. You make the sandbelt the anchor. You play. That's, that's a better way to. You play it. the sandbelt two years, and then the third year you go to one of the other places. Two years you go to somewhere else. Mm. Then you can use that as the asset, and you know those will be the bigger years. But that's part of a plan of making it bigger, of having it here and then going there. So. If you're having it as the anchor and you have a year off where it's going to Seven Mile Beach, that'll get attention from overseas TV-wise because everyone knows about that place and it's going to be amazing. Now, the well, pla- you talk about being in a Twitter bubble. <laughs> well, uh, you're right, but it's in that Twitter bubble. Well, yeah, true. I think it goes a little bit beyond that in terms of the way the publicity's done. It. Yeah, I think so. Oh, but okay. interesting. But that year, you may not get as many good players because Hobart's another leg to a journey and whatever. But you're doing it for a pure golf course perspective you're attracting a different audience for a year and you put it on tv for the majority of people in australia the following year you take it to kingston heath where rory mcelroy talked about wanting to come where i've heard from players tiger woods whenever they he, he plays with an australian talks about kingston heath then you get them that year and then the next year you go somewhere different and, th- and that's a plan working forward it's not just let's do it now because victorian government's in power and they've got an extra 10 million or whatever it is and they say we'll take five years thanks but we're not going to have that that freedom freedom anymore because now if we're going to lock into correct concurrent Australian Open, which is part of the issue, yeah, um, you know, we could play it quite a bit in the sandbelt um, successfully, and and I, personally, I'd love to see it not come to Sydney next year. I'd love to see it go over the road to Royal Melbourne, mm. play Royal Melbourne East and West, mm. just um, obvious, doesn't it? have it all on the same property. Build some momentum for the event. This is what I guess the point I was saying about Lockett in is build some momentum and then build off that momentum that you exactly. built. And it's tough to build momentum it's, if you're moving around constantly in that initial. And and uh, balancing this, I mean, next year in Sydney, we're going to end up with another different element. If it is the Australian and the Lakes, like we all think, you've got different grass types. Well, it's either the Australian yeah. and the Lakes so, or the Australian and like, Sydney. So. And people, people who just watch the golf will think that's such a minor thing, but it really isn't for a tournament player who's trying to fine-tune everything that they go from one surface to another from, like, that's that's really hard yeah. for those like guys. All those golf, though, they're all facing priority. They're all facing that's exactly the same. Like, but that's test. a player experience thing. Yeah, you, you can't uh, talk about player experience being important. It's not that much of a priority for I don't, that. I don't the think grass it's that type important. thing is incredibly inside baseball. But the but the yeah, the 
fans don't care about that. No, I know the fans don't. The players don't. You, we talked about player experience being of the highest importance. I guarantee you next year's Australian Open, if it's those two venues, you will have a high-profile player having a bad round and coming off and saying, I couldn't chip it and I couldn't putt it because I can't get used to the difference. I had a short and lead in. And everyone will think, boo-hoo. Why they right? be Just you're a professional really golfer. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. But, <laughs> but you, you, if you want to get players coming and buying into the concept, you need to make no, it that's as smooth the, as That possible. leads to... Perfect sand in the bunkers, every like shipping sand in at the bunkers at PJ Tour events and everything. Like, that's not, they've got a. Oh, Logue's just not having you made that same face of you that he made at me. <laughs> I got did a, not like it. They've got to play, they've yeah. got to play the course that's all presented right. to them. I don't think we've solved all of the Australian Open's problems here today, but at least we've had our say. So that's nice for us. I, d- I just want to mention Cam Smith only beat Terry Pilkadaris by one shot. Good on you, Terry. You think he's on the comeback trail, Terry? I just, no, I just think the, the cut wasn't a factor in the end. And Cam Smith. Uh, oh, the top 30 cut, you mean? Yeah, the top 30 cut. Mm. Oh. I think that's very far off the mark. I don't think. The guys 30- who missed the cut at even par were 11 behind the winner. I don't the think 30. Well, not about winning. It's about, is. for some of those guys, it's yeah. about actually. Oh, were they surprised that there was a third round cut? No. No, but no, no. <laughs> they knew that going into the tournament. If they yeah, wanted to the point, qualify though. for the British Open, they that's had to get the into point. the top 30 if to get their only, chance to get. They're not complaining only, about it, by the way. We if, are. If there's only one cut and they're sitting at 32nd, 11 shots from the lead, fine. But if they're still in the event and they've got an opportunity to go low on the Sunday and perhaps earn enough money that might make might mean the difference between getting a – a no. card and not getting a card. Going to Q school. But they knew to get that opportunity, they had to make the top 30. That's as simple as that. I think, yeah, I think I think there's not a complaint about it. I think Alejandro Canizares shows the issue at play with it. He only got in because Dave Branson bogeyed the last on Saturday to push the number out by one. He gets in, he goes out and shoots 64, he gets a spot at the open. Finishes fourth. That opportunity to see exciting golf is probably like he also got a spot in this week's field at Leopard Creek, did he not? Yeah, he did. For finishing yep. top yep. ten on the European Correct. tour. So um, I think that just costs everyone. I mean, it it's was there. So he was it still, was that was still a great story. Yeah, it is. Mm. But it, it the opportunity is not there, and I don't think you will have outward anger about it all. But the opportunity it, it shifts opportunity. So the Australian Open needs to be ready to try and make up for another ways because. Like, if Cam Smith was off first group of the day there, the huge crowd that would have been there for him then drips back through and there's a bit more happening there. Um, but that's, that's, that comes with the I format. So, they, I think like they're accepting it. Yeah. being wary about yeah, it, I, I trying think, to make sure we get certain players through. That becomes- Yeah, I think that, I that's- But I think enough. That's, a, that's a major issue. I, I, I don't think that's getting certain players. Like the focus on Cam is- He'll acknowledge he should have played better. He thought he missed the halfway pa- cut. Perhaps so. you should move to something like the Masters where it's a 10-shot rule. Some years you'll have a hundred yeah. players make the make the cut, and some years. Well, you'll have I mean, 30. The, the, the the figure of thirty was apparently part of that decision was all based around TV, which is not which, I which, which, which for the for the players that that only just make trying to get around. But even if you put it to forty five for each, yeah. But the leaders hit off. Why? Why the big difference between Saturday? Uh, Able to go till seven o'clock at night. Yeah, I, I think it could be and maybe forty-five, and it's sunny. Yeah, mm. right. Forty-five is yeah. reasonable. Yeah. Thirty is Cam still would have missed, you. but well, that's okay. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, he would have. Yeah, he, uh, there was seven, he was the forty-six seven. people finished ahead of him. Yeah. The, the third round cut robbed us all of an intense battle for low Cameron. 
at the Australian Open because Davis, Smith, Percy all missed the second cut. Davis was on my flight coming back. Interesting. Forlorn. And just before we go, we're- yeah. Last thing. I know he's on the flight because you saw him walking on and off first while you waited. Um, one thing that he had we, his track man. I thought I could there pinch was, it. Uh, a lot of people saw it on the TV coverage. What looked to be a bit of an incident between Marina Alex and Julian Sue. Yep. On the 18th. Yep. So apparently, what happened was Julian Sue tried to throw a ball into the crowd and it didn't make it. And Marina was telling her it was in the bunker and Julian didn't think it. Forget all that. How do you throw the ball and not make it to the bunker, Julian? <laughs> Work on that. That's what's been overlooked in all of this. So apparently it wasn't the major drama that lots of people thought it was. I think it might have made some of the news pages too. People would watch the coverage and assume there was some drama. That's what it was Adam, about. Adam Pengilly was looking into it and then sort of had the detail of it. And went, that's not the story. The PGA, the Aussie PGA, Work on your arms, The Aussie PGA has the same problem with the 17th party hole, that the guys throw their balls, but the roof is not high enough to allow entry of the ball. So it either goes low and hits the pole and off it goes. There's a lot of inebriated or that, liquid, you know, liquid humans in there. So, they're knocking it down. It goes down in that deep bunker and it becomes there – was a, there was a guy running out onto the green at 17 on sat, on Sunday last at the Aussie PJ, picking up the balls that had all been thrown out from the crowd to try and hole it. Like, those grandstands are there all week. The players have the opportunity to practice that yeah. Tuesday and Wednesday. And if they haven't taken the opportunity to do it, that's on them. Can't be that hard to throw a ball into a grandstand. Nah, see, the difference is if oh, here you, we go. if there, there's two ways to throw a ball to the crowd. There's over. Right, over arm. Yeah. Or under. Yeah. Much over, better to go aggressive. the under. Always yeah, go, over's always super aggressive. Under. Yeah. It's very aggressive. It can, be, get hurt it can be high over. velocity. But you see them over. and they try to toss it yeah. softly because that you, wow, you're going to get low and flat if you yeah. go over arm and they try and toss it. But it's more of an arc if you're going under arm. And it's, it's all it's, about release point because yeah, you run the fingers down the back of it. It's going to go. They need technique. to get on their track. Poor technique is what we'll get a track get man out on the range early in the morning. We'll right. get them all working on the See, now there's an innovation for next year. That's that right. should be some of the pre tournaments. We'll get the angle players, attack and spin rates man. going up. We'll and we'll we'll custard arms. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that's the other thing. A lot of these, <laughs> despite the golfers are athletes, I mean, if you ever see any of them try anything else, yeah, not so much. Shout out to all of them. Well, ultimately, I think it was a good week. And I thought that yeah, you're right, Beach. I wrote a similar piece was that mm. the golf stood up, the golf courses stood up, and we're a reminder that regardless of everything else that happens, we need to play more golf on the sandbelt for everybody in the world, not just us here in Australia. It's a fantastic place for the game to be played. Uh, thanks for coming in, Beach. Most, most enjoyable, mate. Thanks, man. Given that you're just down the road, we'll get you back more often this coming year. Not this year, obviously, because there's none of it left. Logue, good to have you on board. Thanks, Rob. And Jimmy, always good to have your thoughts as well. Thank you. Episode 127, done and dust. So I think we're going to finish next week. Well, next week will be our last. You're going to be in Denmark? Yeah, I might not be joining. Oh, uh, no, I think you will be. It's just going to be a matter of what time of day. Let's, let's finish without him. That'd be good. <laughs> might be an award winner. That, Every yeah, time we go logless, we win yeah. an award the yeah. following year. <laughs> you, I won't be holding it back. That's the, that's the one thing you're not going to you're <laughs> not going to add uh, audio to no. your <laughs> awards list because every time there's an award won, you're never part of it. 127 done and dusted. 128 next week here on the Good Good Golf Podcast.